Welcome to Build with Rob. I am Rob Deerdeck, founder and CEO of the Deerdeck Machine, a one-of-a-kind venture creation studio where we systematically fuse art, science, and magic to manufacture amazing companies. This show is all about our process and the experiences and lessons that we learn throughout the journey of creating companies. We build companies through a thing we call the machine method. It is our process, discovery, diligence, build, launch, and scale is sort of the key phases of building a business. Uh, this week's episode, again, we are back with some of the ins- aspiring doer dyers that want to be partners with us here at the Deer Deck Machine. Um, we take video submissions of pitches on our website, and and you know, again, I, I thank you all that take the time to put together a pitch. And I know there's a lot of energy and and desire and hope and dreams connected to that pitch that we could connect and build a company and. Um, but a lot of times it, it just isn't sort of meant to be for, for a lot of different reasons. And, and what I like to do is spend some time with those that have pitched really great ideas and just share my thoughts and insights to be as helpful as I can. You know, I, I'm, I think even a lot of the guys that, uh, that pitch here, you know, this, this may be our first introduction. There, there's some entrepreneurs that, that I think, perhaps a handful of conversations with different entrepreneurs, myself and some experience, they might uh, begin to learn and evolve and, and be a future partner, you know? So everybody that I connect with through the Deer Deck machine, I'm always playing the long game, you know, like perhaps somebody that's one of the aspiring do or dyers that end up on bill with Rob, you know, a year, two, three years later, we go on and build a company together. You know, I think that's, uh, really my mission with the show is just uh, giving both the listeners and other entrepreneurs the ability to, to, to talk through and hear different insights and, and ideation as it relates to building companies. Cause I learned so much by just talking to other entrepreneurs and, and, and listening to other entrepreneurs. And that's really, um, what I'm hoping to achieve with these, these type of shows that are primarily advice shows, you know, because one of the things that I love to advise entrepreneurs on is, you know, learn to love your numbers, learn to love all aspects of the numbers associated with your business to a lot of people, especially creative people, you know, the, the numbers are ominous and tiring. And I mean, look, you're talking to a guy who loves financial models, who just could just gets giddy every time he gets to look at his own financial models for his own companies. Like every time I go, like, look at this. Like I even, I, I even have forced all the companies to report in sort of a unique way that I can just uh, at a glance, see the strength of the entire financial profile of the operating model, right? What they're actually running the business on. Right. And that's just top line revenue, cost of goods, like contribution margin, operation and marketing costs in, in the bottom line, what hits the bottom, right? And I just, and then how much cash is at the bottom? I literally like to see it in that order. I want to see it every single month. What did you say you were going to do? And what did you do? It, you know, because at the end of the day, 
like in business, you have to get really, really good at predicting the future, especially as it relates to everything to do with your numbers, right? Like you, if you miss your revenue by 30% on a month and add, you know, uh, 10% in expenses, your cash, it, you just knocked off too much of your, of your runway, you know? And, and it's like, I, I think that a lot of times, uh, people create a financial model as a way to almost, you know, whether it's using it to raise capital or to share with investors. And it's this sort of hopeful, unrealistic, non-tactical uh, sort of revenue model that you just sort of share. And then you'll deal with the company on a month to month basis based off of how it's performing. But it's it's so important that you begin to obsess on being able to do what you say every single month. And because it, when you understand your business completely from a financial side, when you really truly understand like um, how much margin you're actually being able to contribute to the operational side of the business and then ultimately what that impact is doing on on the cash you have in that business and its ability to to be able to be reinvested to grow that add bodies add products all of these different things like you have to make all of your strategic decisions from understanding your numbers when, when you're when you're driving your business through primarily like like what you think the customer would want the most and what you think is the best idea and like, oh, this, this would be the coolest like marketing program to do. Like, oh, we got to do this photo shoot. We got to make this content. We got, when you're doing everything through the lens of um, the creative side, the product side and like uh, the content side and not developing all aspects of that business through the lens of what its impact is on your financial model and ultimately the quality of your business uh, will always be reflected in the quality of its financial viability you know and and to me you grow into it and if you're a creative ceo you know that that you have to learn it Right. If you're relying on your partner to understand the numbers better, you gotta you gotta learn it so that you're not you're making all your decisions based off of understanding every aspect of those de decisions and how they ultimately impact the financial side of your business. Right. Like you know, and and look, I promise you, I promise you, if you were like me and you hated numbers. And you want, well, they made you tired. They made you tired. You know, and, and to me, I'm all about energy and how do you put yourself in a position uh, that you are every, you go day to day, thing to thing, all day, every day that you love to do that gives you energy. And as an entrepreneur, when I would get into anything financial, I, it would, I would go to, I would want to sleep. Not like, oh, I'm tired. I had a long night. Like I've, I literally, the numbers and the, con like looking at all the numbers and what, oh, what does it all mean? Like, I don't know. Like, oh, like, oh, I would just like, it would suck the soul out of me and I would want a nap. I would want a nap. I would just check out and I'd try to hire somebody to deal with it. And, and nobody, I, trust me, no one will ever care about your company's finances as much as you. No one, 
No one will ever care and see the detail of your actual money uh, like you do, you know, and, and to me, I slowly, I just forced myself to learn all aspects of it. And what, and what happened, you eventually begin to learn and understand it. Then, then I was capable of now applying sort of my creative and strategic mind further into how these models look. And then now as I was developing strategies and looking at how opportunities look like, I'm looking at them in a much more holistic way of how they actually actually affect the viability of the business. Because at the end of the day, um, all these great ideas and, and amazing opportunities are only amazing if they work. And business only works when it's sustainable and profitable. You know, and, and the only way that you can really make sure as a leader now and, and someone that wants to build a company, you have got to learn all aspects of your financials. You have got to fall in love with the numbers of your business and be obsessed with with making them as efficient as possible uh, in creating a sustainable, profitable business that's creating value uh, that you can either um, split a dividend, you know, or ultimately create the value to have somebody come in and acquire your business. To every entrepreneur, I implore that you must fall in love with your numbers. Okay, look, uh, we got a great show today. Uh, a lot of aspiring doer dyers with really interesting ideas that that I can't wait to connect with and, and meet for the first time and, and hopefully share some insights and great advice. Let's get into it. Welcome to Build with Rob. I am Rob Deerdeck, CEO and founder of the Deerdeck Machine, a one-of-a-kind venture creation studio. We are a company that creates companies by systematically fusing art, science, and magic through a process we call the Machine Method. Today, we have Caleb Fossum and Luke Bakkensteady on the show. They are my co-founders and partners in The Uncommons, which was acquired by Red Bull, and it is the Deerdeck Machine's largest exit yet. These two guys are the perfect examples of the doer dire founder mentality. So this is a video that's going to change everything for us too, and also for you. From Rob at the top of the at the top of the chain, all the way down to the person that empties the trash can in your headquarters every single night. Thank you to everybody involved for the time, effort, and attention that you guys are going to give us. And watching this video, that's going to change everything for all of us. The start of 2020, Caleb and I came up with this idea called the Uncommons. So in the last year, year and a half, we've created content and we've sold print on demand merchandise about the idea of being uncommon and that is ultimately the, the birth of this idea that we're about to share with you right now. So you always say before you start when or start at the end. So we're going to give you the big old vision of how our lives are going to change for everybody involved. If Netflix, Marvel Sports and Red Bull had some weird triplet baby together, that's what we would be. We want to create a digital lifestyle media platform that connects people, products, and ideas through our own content and creation that is also fueled by a specific CPG product platform. We want to work with the Deerdeck Machine to bring this vision to life. And we truly believe that all of our dreams, visions, and goals have already happened. Time and the world just need to catch up. The Deerdeck Machine with its track record, its access, its network, its capital, and its unmatched creative spirit, which has helped accelerate this process, 
And I think we'd have a fucking awesome time working together, going through this process, learning from you guys, networking, and just going through the whole thing, learning from top to bottom. We really appreciate your time, your effort, your attention when watching this video. And we really hope you hop on because uh, the train has moved. It's gonna be a hell of a ride. Welcome to Build with Rob, Luke and Caleb, the founders of The Uncommons. Please, gentlemen, for those uh, listening, give me the 60 seconds on what uh, your business is. Go for it. Well, we are pretty much a content-driven you know, outlet for motivated and creative individuals just wanting to exist on all platforms you know, via social media, audio as far as podcasts, uh, YouTube, so visual, and just want to tap in and uh, help motivate, inspire, and get through those creative and motivated individuals. See, look, and, and I want to say right now, uh, right there, I'm still not sure what you guys do. You know what I mean? Yeah. You guys, first of all, I want to thank you for your pitch because it was extraordinary. <laughs> when you open up the Welcome to Build with Rob, Future <laughs> Creation Studio, one of a kind, where we just sold our business, our biggest exit ever, 400 million to Red Bull. I'm like, oh, is this an energy drink? Yeah. Then it's like, we're a media company. We're out here inspiring. Like, then it was like, it's like, oh, we making, are we making a product over here? We are Netflix meets Marvel meets Red Bull. Like, okay, oh, we, we got a product. Then all of a sudden it's like, we're down into energy. It's nootropics. It's adaptogens. It's like you took me on a journey. Yeah. Right. All over the place where I, I was not sure what we were going to make together. Right. And then at right now, hit me with the 60 second. We're, we're like a motivational, inspirational media company and, and different from even what, what I got from the pitch. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Absolutely. yeah, yeah. Um, and, and the pitch that we sent you was, uh, was for, I won't say a separate idea, but it was for a specific product. And it was more yeah. of our, our, our foot in the door type of idea to, you know, get in front of you and your team. But yeah, yeah. to riff off of what he said, we're like a content driven media lifestyle brand where we create content on every single medium, um, yeah. audio, written word, video, um, for the motivational creator, dreamer. And our big word is, doer the, the people are actually yep. out there the astronaut versus the astronomer type of doer yeah yeah man i never heard that before i like that <laughs> astronaut versus astronomer you know, you're talking to a guy that literally before i go to bed every night i either watch some sort of motivational video i watch the secret all the time as yeah. i fall asleep and try to envision all the stuff i want to have happen absolutely or i watch something to do with the universe Yes. Literally just like, like, uh, you know, space light travel, Andromeda, like, you know, galaxy clusters, like dark energy. I literally just watch, you know, anything to do with um, the universe so I can relate to both being an astronomer and an astronaut. <laughs> um, but, but look, you know, I, I'm, here's one thing, like, you guys have the energy, the drive, the passion, the like, we are going to be successful. It's this like, stop it, nothing, we're doers, we're just going to go, we're going to fail along the way, we're going to learn, we're going to evolve. Like, you're cut from the cloth that it actually takes to create success. But it's like pointing that energy in a clear direction, right? So that you're you're growing and and, and evolving towards like a, a single direction, um, is just something that, 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 that hits me when I, when I hear your pitch and even when talking to you guys right now, you know what I mean? It's like, it's in, in that idea of, Hey, we just wanted to get in the, the door with you and look at the content we're creating, but we also had this flow solar energy drink idea. Like, yeah. but like we, we just kind of threw that in there. Cause like we want to build media, but then we want to build products. Like, you know, it's like, it's that like, that energy that that confuses me 
is going to confuse yourself and growing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't grow in 20 different directions yeah. because you become uneven. You know what I mean? And it, and it's like taking that energy and deciding what's the best way to, to use your talents to monetize what that is. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and look, I, I looked at all your stuff, right? Like I, I like the website and, and how you have the, the, the blog post, the pod, listen to some of the podcasts, you know what I mean? Thank it was you. great. It was, a, um, uh, I, I can't remember the topic. It was a really funny one. Um, <laughs> Thank you. It was like, you know, I can't tell what Caleb's doing. I don't know. It was like judging other people's, like, you can't see perspective through their eyes, mm-hmm. like, uh, and expectations, right. Yeah, Which yeah. is all, all foundational ways of thinking. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, but to create a business, man, you, you need these clear milestones. Like, and it's like, even when you launch off yet, you, you, you had all this energy to go and build this entire multi-platform. You got it all. You got the videos, you got the podcast, you got the blog, you got the social media all connected to it. But it's the pathway to monetization that's like loose, like you got, it's this elusive thing now. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so you are like, Oh, it's energy drink. We can get energy drinks. So it's either a free workout or some Red Bull. You know what I mean? It's like you get jammed up on, on here's the opportunity. It's like better for you, low sugar, get these adaptogens, you know, cause (laughs) mushrooms, we love these mushrooms. It's, it's the idea of, like the lack of clarity and focus in what it is like, yeah. you know, and, and I, I think if, if you tied a product and then created the media around the product or, <laughs> you know, or what, what a lot of people that do that, that have a business like you guys have is, is then they, you know, have events and teach classes and, you know, beyond making merch and kind of what it is, yeah. right? Like it's, but, but I, you know, I'm, you know, it's a difficult sort of thing versus if you did go out and find that perfect like energy shot, you know, mm-hmm. energy drink and like you went and sourced some, um, you know, unique, like better for you aspect, very similar to what you did. Then you built all your media around that. Then you tied the name of that product to uh, what you did on your podcast and what that blog was about. And now you're a a consumer product as media and you go and win with one single idea that you can, um, you know, even when I think about the content that you create, the way you talk, the better version of yourself, like how do you evolve and make all this stuff? And we use this to like, to like give us that energy to keep going and keep like what it is. Like it's, it's just tying like more, clarity to what you're hoping to achieve and then go and build a business model behind that. You know what I mean? In the sense of, of what the potential of your energy is, you know, cause you know, despite the success that I have had, I didn't, until I did that myself, I was doing fantasy factory, ridiculousness, wild grinders, launch street league, like had DC Moss. I had all these things that were like being like pulling me in all of these different directions. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't till like, I really focused on like, what do I love to do the most? And, and what do I want my life's mastery to be? And that was, I want to curate ideas and individuals and build companies from the the idea stage all the way to exit. 
you know, and I want to master that. And it's like only when I chose my mastery and tied it to that clarity, then what did I do? Then I just started building companies only from the idea stage. Then I put build with Rob to go around it as like the media to support it. Mm -hmm. Then I have the machinists that are now part of the feedback loop in the community. Like, like it's the, my media that I built around my passion for business creation is all pointed in my mastery in that where I just keep getting better and better at creating businesses. Right. And now creating media around that to amplify and get uh, great entrepreneurs to pitch ideas and want to be partners. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Because when I look at you guys, I'm like, okay, I like you have to go through that cycle still, mm-hmm. to so that you're you you learn to look at business and opportunity multidimensionally and holistically, and that that media and marketing and brand are sort of one piece and product operations and finance are and sales are the other sort of aspect where the whole thing has to be this harmoniously operating system where the output is a clear growth to a financial viability you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? in the sense of when you look at business because all that energy will get you going in so many directions you're just pulled tight yeah. And since you're not growing towards anything, it becomes difficult to even know what you should not do or do because you're not having clarity or progressing towards what you know is the the potential outcome based off of how you've designed it. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I think like he said, we've been going through that process of narrowing, trying to narrow down that path. Um, and we've been getting pulled different directions as well. And I'm an ex-athlete as well. So I understand what you were saying of just so many different avenues that you can go down and getting into business and different opportunities you think are going to be there, but finding that path to narrow down. So it's really refreshing to hear you say that. And, uh, and us being the uncommons, what do you think makes you uncommon as an entrepreneur? I mean, look, I mean, I was raised by entrepreneur wolves. I quit high school at 16. You know what I mean? I did, you know, 10 or 15 companies in no man's land when I was your guy's age. No man's land. I had record labels and skate shops and like, I just did, you know, I, I, it was any which way, but loose. And, and I would even argue, even as I, uh, skateboarding began to evolve and blow up and then, uh, the partnership with DC now really expanded, like my ability to to have more capital. And then I just invested and created more, all types of stuff. And Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm never bothered to learn business holistically. I just, I, I'm the brand and the energy and the marketing guy, just like you guys, you know what I mean? Like, and it's like, I, and it's like, like you can't ever really build great, a great business until you begin to learn all aspects of business, right? It's just, even though it's ominous and you hate the stuff, like you still have to like become a generalist in it and understand it because then your strategy and decision-making will be affected and affect the actual outcome of the quality of the business rather than just being idea driven. Mm -hmm. And I would say I kept pushing and just trying things. And what happens? Oh, I write a skit for a skate video. Yeah. Next thing you know, I'm. I, they want to do a, a television show, right? Now I have to go through the process of learning a television show. When I saw, saw the pilot for the first time, I'm like, well, got to 
try something else because this pilot's terrible right? <laughs> like like didn't think there was a chance and then i learned tv i learned to create and evolve and like okay then it was like okay this is what was happening from ron big okay this is what i could do with fantasy factory then it's like all right this reality so stuff is so difficult how can i create a concept that's super easy to do in a studio that's where ridiculousness comes mm-hmm. from but you grow and evolve and evolve and evolve over time um but it's like i didn't take the time to learn business multi-dimensionally that I wish I would have done. I wish I would have dedicated myself to learning about money and learning about uh, the operational and financial side of business in my twenties instead of waiting to do it in my late thirties. You know what I mean? So yeah, absolutely. That's incredibly helpful. Cause one of our like main questions is like, what would you tell your 25 year old sons? Cause we're both about to be approaching 25 years old in the world of business today. Cause social media, there's Shopify, there's easy DDC stuff. CPG is still further away, but not as far away as it was for the beginner, you mean 10, 15 yeah. years ago. So it's like hearing that is, is incredibly, incredibly helpful. Yeah. And look, in, in, it is the growth that you're going to go through in these years. You know what I mean? And it, and it's painful. You know what I mean? And it, you know, you know what the most painful part is? Is it's like, how come this doesn't, what, how come this isn't working? Like, where are we going? What should we do? Like, oh, you know what I mean? It's that, like, And I swear, like when you think about, you know, the value proposition, the unique value proposition of what you're creating, whether it be a content or a product, right? Like what, what purpose is this serving for this consumer? And then who is the consumer? Like, Hey, it's guys like us that are, you know, 18 to 30 that, you know, um, want to carve their own path. What are the tools that they need? Right. Like what are what are the things that we can give them and help them as we're on our journey of of creating and evolving it? It's like really identifying. Then how do you build a tribe that's like, this is what I get from them every time I listen, every time I watch, every time I buy something that they make. The the tighter that you can make why someone what you're delivering as a unique value proposition and clearly understand who you're delivering it for and build a relationship for them because you don't need a million customers you literally if you had 10,000 core customers you would have a multi-million dollar business whatever it is that would allow you to be sustainable and grow and evolve from a great foundation yeah and like trying to define that and build that it would be my greatest advice to you because you want to not you can be extraordinarily patient when you're making progress towards clear goals, you get super impatient when you just aren't making progress and you don't know why, and you don't know if you should try something else. Should we pivot? Should we do that? When you're constantly asking, what do we do? It is because your, your pathway and your plans not clear enough and not believable enough to you yeah. because you, if you're not making progress towards your first milestone, you've got to build a plan and be like, for sure I can get there. And if you can't get there, then you pivot. Mm -hmm. But if you're slowly making progress and you can see like, okay, if we keep doing this and this, we're going to get there. Like it's, you can keep the energy and continue to be patient. It's when you just have no idea whether or not you're making progress towards the greater uh, vision and opportunity that you think is possible is where you're like, man, should we simplify? Should we just do one thing? Should we do this? Maybe we should do this. Maybe we do this. Should we just change? Here's what happens. Should we change the whole concept? 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, you just get caught. You just, you can't even begin to like, you can't even trust your instincts because you're, you're just not, um, progressing towards something that you understand and believe is the first step in getting to where you want to go. So that is my advice to you, 24 year olds <laughs> building it up. And I, look, I hope you find clarity, uh, you know, in, in the future. And, and one day, potentially, we do something together. You know what I'm saying? Hey, but, we're we're going to speak that into existence and put that in the universe right now, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, no, right. that, that, that deal that we spoke about in the, in the original picture is still happening. Yeah. This is just the world catching up to it. And, yeah. and you helping us through this right now is we're going we're gonna to make some decisions, get more clarity, and we're ultimately going to get there. The world's just happening right now in That's front of it. us. That's it. Go sure. get it. Go get it. I look forward to seeing yeah, you come alive. Thank you so much. All right, Appreciate great to meet you guys. What's up, Robin team? My name is Chris Gallardo, and this is my Do or Die or Submission. For the past three years, I've been working hard to evolve and validate the vision I'm going to share with you today. In short, I want to build a meaningful company that improves the daily lives of millions of people, has a lasting effect, and creates a profitable ecosystem. About a year ago, I left my day job working for Apple to go all in and fully chase this dream. I've done much of the heavy lifting to refine the vision, build the business model, validate the financials, but we're still very much at the idea and founders phase. Thanks for the opportunity to share my dream and vision with you today. In the spirit of keeping it real, I'm fucking stoked. I know you're going to be stoked too, so let's get started. So we've got this amazing activity that's created a massive industry that only continues to grow. To me, this spells opportunity. This opportunity and demand has created a revolution enter the surf park era. It's no secret, surf parks are coming. They're the next huge driver of growth in the sport. The business opportunities to surf hundreds of miles from the ocean is a concept that has inspired many. Currently, there's a handful of surf parks open in the US. Washington, New Jersey, and Texas have one, with four more slated for the Palm Springs area. Some of these projects have price tags of 100 to $200 million. In my opinion, the real business opportunity in this space is not with the elite, high-end, or professional user. It's with the beginner and intermediate user base, the base that will become the everyday surfer and consumer of our products. I've named this business Inland Surf Company. We have so many amazing opportunities in front of us. Our timing is great. We're not too early, we're not too late, but the time is now. I implore you to join me on this journey to impact the world and create a highly successful company. We got this. Chris Gallardo, welcome to Build with Rob. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you today? Hey, look, man, I, I you know, talking to a lot of different uh, aspiring entrepreneurs with a lot of different ideas. And, you know, as you would say, in the spirit of keeping it real, uh, your idea was just a little bit big for me. You know what I mean? It was just a little bit big. And, and, and to me... I could feel your energy through Instagram, through uh, the excitement of getting it together and pitching it. And it was an extraordinarily impressive concept and pitch. But again, in the spirit of keeping it real, as you said in the video, it's just it's just so capital intensive, land intensive, community intensive. Uh, it's a pretty substantial undertaking, which is which is hard for me uh, to connect with in, in the types of businesses that we do down here. But could you please just give a uh, 60 second overview of sort of your business concept uh, for, for the listeners to, to kind of understand uh, what, what you're trying to pull off here? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, really, I just think surfing, you know, is going to make the world a better place or it does make the world a better place. Um, and, you know, it's always been only available to people that live by the ocean. And we live in a in a day and age where the technology is there to surf 
away from the ocean. And it just means, uh, opens up so many doors for people, um, both from a personal growth standpoint to the economic pieces of it, of thinking about, you know, how much of an industry the surf industry has created and how, how much money is tied up in that and that it only takes place on coasts. And there's this huge white space in the middle of the, you know, the country and the, and, uh, that just gives us so much opportunity to, uh, tap into them and, and offer them impactful things from surfing to beyond, you know? And, um, so surf parks are coming. Yeah. And, and again, the surf park, your concept is inland surf. Co- well, the, the company name that we landed on is inland surf company. Um, I was, yep. yeah, I'm not super married to that name. I just needed to sort of have a placeholder and land on something to start kind of taking what was in my head and putting it on paper. You know, I think a lot of us just have all these crazy thoughts in our head. And part of this process was just really uh, putting it on paper and finding your podcast and everything really just helped me sort of streamline, you know, that that vision. So thank you for that. And um, but yeah, so, you know, there's to put it shortly, I know we're short on time, but there's uh, there's big surf parks that uh, would take maybe five acres of land and let's say have a starting price of maybe 50 million dollars. Those are traditional waves that that break and, and travel. And then there's um, what's called a standing wave, which is similar to what you find in the river. Um, it doesn't necessarily travel. It just stays there and the surfer goes back and forth. Um, and those you can get started on more like half an acre. So not as much land and a much lower price tag, you know, less than 5 million. Um, so my kind of vision is to, you know, it's all you've taught us, man. You've taught us like find the path, you know? And so I want to surf and I want to, I don't want to move back to the coast. I want to stay where I'm at. I want to surf. I want to enrich people's lives and, the path to that, um, you know, is built around an economic model that, that, uh, you know, charges to surf, but also, um, has all these other pieces to it. And, um, and so it's just, you know, it's an exciting vision. Um, yeah. And look, look, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. I believe in it. it I, I've only surfed once. I got Laird Hamilton towed me into a, like 20 foot wave. It's the only time I've almost died in my I life. I remember that. Was that a fantasy factory or something? Yeah, it was a fantasy factory. Ever. It's really like the only time I've ever surfed, you know? And, and it's a really bizarre way to surf. Most people like got to struggle to learn to paddle into a wave. I just ended up on a 20 foot wave until I got annihilated by it. Truly the only time I, I had to give up. Like I was under so much whitewash and I couldn't find the surface and it was like I couldn't hold my breath anymore. And right as I gave up, boom, I popped to the surface. Uh so I'm still here. But I want I want to surf. And when I think about like the wave parks that have been I'm like, man, I want to go out. There's that one in Indigo or whatever out here in 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 California. I'm like, man, I got I gotta get there. I gotta get there at some point. It's driving me to want to surf. And so I found it really interesting like the concept of the standing wave, right? And and this idea of making it much easier to do. And, and I do think, you know, you know, it is a unit economic thing, right? Like, and I think it is, I think the structure is, is foundational, right? Where it is like, hey, we need this much land. And, you know, the, the same way that you could do deals with mun- municipalities to underwrite a portion of that, right? But I don't, I don't know at what, at what level I think it, it, it's easier for when I built all the skate parks to do partnerships and, and, you know, match funds, or in some cases, you know, I'd, I'd put up a couple hundred thousand 
uh, and build the entire park if they gave the land, you know, but those were all open and free and non for profit. Right. So, you know, so, you know, if, if you look at this business, it's like, man, it's going to cost me 5 million. You know, one thing that, that, you know, when I think about like, is there a leaner version that doesn't have, you know, that has just more of a stand for food and drinks and it's just a certain amount of staff and there's just like a really lean test model. Right. And then it's tied to the, the daily economics of the amount of people that come in. Right. And, and as opposed to all this ancillary revenue, like, is there a sustainable business inside that, you know, because when I think about the standing wave, it's like, okay, well, how many people in a day can you get in and ride that wave? Right. And from your mind, like how many people do you think could, could, could ride the wave per day? 150. Right. So 150 people, even at a hundred dollars a day, you know, we're, we're talking about six, five, six million dollars in revenue there. Right. And so to me, like when I just did the initial math, like thinking about the standing wave, I was like, man, okay, if you could probably do 200, 200 people, if they paid a hundred dollars a day, 365 days a year is, is still like 7.3 million. Right. So, you know, I think putting a cushion in when you design this model, like I really think like, like really locking in on, okay, here's the CapEx, like it's going to be 5 million to build it out. And then the operating costs have got to be like, you know, 3 million right? Instead of 8 million and, and then getting to like, we're our goal, our break even is 35 people a day, but we can get to max 150, right? Because now then you have this super clean Uden economics as it's related to the sustainability and profitability per venue, right? And God forbid you could just get to a place where it's like, you know, and, and again, I'm, I, you know, I don't know the pricing strategy when I looked at it, you know, $65 a ride, right? So uh, a session is what I saw when I looked it up and, you know, there's about 15 parks that exist, you know, there's like 15 or 20 in the making. And most of them are these much, you know, as you're saying, much bigger, sort of more pure, um, breaking wave experience, you know, but, but I think they're all limited by that, that range of unit economics, right? Like you're, you're, you're always going to be jammed by like the foundation being the actual, uh, surfing and what does the economics look on that? Now, when you look to building community and, and event space and all these other things that those can come along, but hard to sell foundationally, right? Because they serve sort of a different purpose. But I, but I think if you could get the, the, the capital it takes to make it, and maybe 5 million is the, you know, the end all be all compared to the twin, but whatever that number being pure, and then like, Hey, uh, break even is 35 people a day. Profitability is a uh, hundred people a day. And the max of 150 is this huge opportunity. And if you did f like, and once that's refined and optimized, now it's like you go city to city and you take that profitability and multiply it by that. Right. Um, would just be my initial thoughts. I appreciate how much depth in numbers you provided and how much clarity you laid into it. But, but immediately I get hit with, forget about how big it could be. 
how does it get to sustainability and believability? Right? Because at the, at the end of the day, it's like when the story is this surf park costs $5 million, at full capacity, it's 150, which generates five million. It costs three million to operate per year, and this is the and 40 people breaks it even. 150 makes two million in EBITDA per year. Do five of these, now you have a 10 million dollar EBITDA business that's worth, you know, call it maybe hundred, hundred million dollars, right? Like figuring out kind of what it is based off of that. But that would just be when I know your passion, how into it you are and all of, all of that. When I, I, I get excited about it, I want to go there. Like, I'm like, Ooh, let me get in that state. Oh, it's a standing wave. Like, Oh, what? Let me get in that thing. It, it, and I do think that it is an opportunity in a white space, despite being outside of sort of our world, you know, that's uh, real good stuff. I think you hit a lot of nails on the heads and, you know, it all comes down to those numbers and, you know, as, as more of a creator and, um, you know, not being a numbers guy, it's been a little bit of a painful process to really, to know those, but you have to, you know, if I don't know those numbers, if I don't, if I don't know those numbers, um, it's going to show and it's, it's not going to work. So I've spent, you know, endless nights, just model this model that. And um, so I hear you. And I think you, you make a lot of good points on really knowing what your sustainability number is, what your break even is, and then, you know, where the gravy is and then how to, you know, design your programming to, to leverage that and to maximize that and to really draw people in. And, and, you know, I think that the biggest thing that it's going to do is it's really going to, you know, unlike a product, you know, you're selling an experience and that's really what I want to try to become. And I know that is a little bit out of, out of the normal wheelhouse for you. Um, although when you, you know, when you have a product, it, it does create an experience. So it's not completely out, but, but we're not selling a product per se. We're selling more of a, of an experience. And, and I think from my own experience as being a surfer that wants to surf, uh, good waves, I I'm willing to pay for that. And I think that I'm not alone. There's a lot of people that will pay to surf and, um, pay to have this experience, this family um, oriented experience, you know, that they can bring their whole family and, and the kids can serve, you know, and, um, and they can keep progressing, you know? Um, so it's just a journey. I, I really, really do like it. It's just outside my, my, my world, you know, and, but I do, and you are right. Like the tighter you can get, the clearer you can get, the sharper you can get on its financial viability and sustainability and believability, someone will give you the money to do it. Yeah. Right. Because it's like, it's, there's just a lot of people that live in the franchise world and the water park world and look at these sort of these, you invest in a single thing and it's reoccurring revenue for, for years and years, right? You depreciate that investment. Like now it's just, you, you get a certain capacity and it's just printing money, right? Like, and I'm, uh, so I think if you can get it to where it's clearly take away blue health, which I love, take away selling stoke, which I love, like, and just like the investor just needs to say, show me how it prints money, uh, which this type of business created the right way and really worked hard could become an ATM machine. So then you're able to put a higher valuation when you go and get that capital. And now you're giving them 
this sustained reoccurring revenue, you're changing communities and sharing a passion and really getting to do the thing that you ultimately dreamed of achieving, you know? So focus on those numbers, get those unit economics sharp, do everything you can to get that. That's where you got to do all your learning because the, the, by the time you get that tight, the right person is going to come by and give you the money to go and take a shot at it because they'll see the potential and its scalability from a franchise uh, factor. So look, I want you to keep pushing. I want you to, to, to push through it all. Uh, don't give up, uh, evolve it and, and make it happen. And I look forward to, to, to being out there and riding that wave in the future. All right? Absolutely, man. You're definitely going to be invited and definitely want you to bring the whole family. I will. Hey, hopefully my, my, my kids will, will want to get more. No, my wife won't. She doesn't like her head underwater. But hopefully my kids who, who, who will be like, you surf? Okay, I won't know. Mike, this is what my son says. He says, I want to be a surfboarder. And I'm like, son, you just say surfer. You just say surfer. As long as he's having a good time and a smile on his face and is inspired, then he can call us. He can call whatever he wants. That's it. Hey, Chris, pleasure to connect with you, man. And keep me posted on how you evolve. My name is Ahmad. Throughout high school and college, I worked at my father's company, which sold laptops and laptop parts. After college, I quit and decided to work at a 7-Eleven for six months. During that time, I learned all the ins and outs as a regular employee. After a year, I decided to become a 7-Eleven franchisee. Now, it has been eight years where I am a multiple 7-Eleven franchisee. Throughout that whole experience, I learned the basic operations from managing employees, expenses, to also managing several thousand items over several different categories which all led me to for my next goal. Supreme Beef Jerky has been around since 2016, and we've been able to create a product that people love. We currently sell our jerky in over 200 retailers, as well as online. Now that we've obtained Halal certification by Hafsa, we would love your support in helping us launch Halal Beef Jerky and Beef Sticks, so that all of our friends and family can enjoy our great tasting products. Your partnership will be a game changer for this company and my life. I recently sold one of my stores and the other one is fully managed and it happens to be the highest customer count, the highest in sales in this market, making it the perfect test store for any Deer Dick machine product. I would love to prove it to you that I'm a true door dyer and hope to bring my past and my current experience to make sure Supreme Beef Jerky is truly a success. Thank you so much for your time and I hope to tell you more about me in person. Ahmad Meheboob, welcome to Build with Rob. How are Very you? Good evening, Rob. Pleasure meeting you, my man. Thank you for having no, me. No, look, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for pitching Supreme Beef Jerky. Um, you know, I, I found sort of your overall story super interesting, especially as it relates to, um, you know, being a 7-Eleven franchisee and really... Uh, kind of understanding and having clarity on on the marketplace of what you're even hoping to achieve, and, and then of course, you know what I mean. But then of course you you go out and you make the most hyper specific Islam approved yeah. beef jerky that is like for the most specific uh, group of people. Could you give us a sixty second on sort of your overall concept for Supreme Beef Jerky? Most definitely. First, uh, we make uh, hand cut, double tenderized, fresh ingredients um, made with hundred percent halal beef, and basically all it is is good tasting beef jerky which is good, high quality and great tasting. Uh, what we do different is we use halal meat. And what halal meat is basically 
allowing a new demographic to being able to eat it, but also halal certification makes sure that the animal, the beef products come from a place that's traceable. We know who's uh, even slaughtering it. We know it's all natural, home and free, and it's healthy and and free of all that good stuff. So basically having that certification kind of helps us make sure that we're healthy as possible and kind of going towards a better for you product. But at the same time, before, uh, there was no really no halal beef jerky available. So Muslims who only halal, they, they wouldn't be able to find it. Uh, and what I wanted to do differently is not just bring out another beef jerky, which was just halal, but I wanted to make sure it was good tasting, good in quality, good in texture. And basically the way we did that is we test piloted in 7-Elevens against other big beef jerky brands. Uh, we didn't have the best packaging or nothing, but we were able to prove that people liked it and we saw the repeat orders. Um, so yeah, look, and, and then is that what it is like halal and like, like it's a requirement. So no Muslim person could eat regular beef jerky. Is that sort of what it is? A hundred percent. So a lot of Muslims, uh, when they go eat out, like there's a lot of nice steakhouses that carry halal. They just call it Creekstone because that's a particular farm that has halal. So as Muslims will go out to all, even the nice steaks house will look for Creekstones and things like that. Uh, and also, uh, when you go out there, mainly eating seafood, right? And to be honest, especially if you're going to a convenience store or a market, you're not going to have too many options. Yeah. Uh, and another big thing we're thinking is uh, halal overall, uh, the Muslim population is growing and internationally people are wanting these new snacks that are coming. So we're, people, uh, international customers are hitting exporters here who are contacting us to be like, hey, uh, we, will, we like your product. We have customers ready to take it. And what we have been doing is this year in particular, getting ready with new packaging. So it has the different languages. So it, so it meets all the requirements for labeling when we do export it. Yeah. And I mean, look, I'm, you know, it, it seems counterintuitive to be in like a 7-Eleven, uh, like the amount of like uh, Muslims that would be coming through 7-Eleven at scale. That's even an opportunity as a customer versus like the parts of the world that are, uh, primarily Muslim, right? Yeah, like yeah. it just feels like it's a home run, yeah, yeah. like internationally, you know what I mean? Like it just like, so to me, like when I think about if there is not one other beef jerky, and this is literally like the only like protein, like, a meat-based snack that, that Muslims could have, it seems like by itself is like massive based off of where the population is the largest from a scale perspective. And, 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 exactly. and that's what we're talking, you're talking international, but even locally in the U.S. and Canada, uh, there's so many, there's such a large Muslim population. And I just, I, and, the, and we're not the only halal beef jerky company out there, but okay. I can attest to the reason why what what makes us different is we really uh, our product is different because of taste and also texture. So it's not that hard rubbery jerky that you're used to or bland taste. It's more it's a variety of different flavors like scorpion pepper, jalapeno garlic, sweet and spicy. Uh, at the same time, when people are eating it, so uh, they're loving it. Uh, and this is for old beef jerky and new first time eaters. Uh, and the reason why they're loving it is because they're eating and they're like, oh, I just think it's, it's take me forever to eat and it was bland. Uh, but now, you know, since you have a scorpion pepper, for some people, you know, it make for me, it makes me so like crazy, but my friends love it, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, so th that's a lot of things we're doing and we're, we're kind of, uh, you know, uh, the riches on the niches, right? 
uh, we have that going for us. But at the same time, the product needs to stand alone uh, by itself. Okay, did, let, hold on a second. Did you just tell me the riches are in the niches? Yeah, I, I'm sure I've heard it here somewhere else. Never or, heard it in my life. I've never heard it in my life. And you just hit me like, and look, I don't, I'm not sure if it's factual. I didn't come uh, you know what I mean? Because it could be. <laughs> You know, because I had some niche skateboard companies and there was not niches in that. It was just a, a very niche, small audience. You know what I mean? But I do love, uh, I love it as the concept of it could be the white spaces as well. You know what I mean? Uh, well, look, I think it's super interesting um, for, for a lot of different reasons. Obviously, I don't, I don't know, um, you know, anything about it. But, but I also, you know, think it's fascinating of, Man, being a Seven Eleven franchisee, and then really understanding the the buyers and and understanding how the store works, is like you know really, really gives you an opportunity to see where opportunity exists inside it from being so close to it, um, which you would think a lot more people would come out with ideas from inside uh, inside this world. But it relates to sort of your question. The main main thing people try to do is grow and, and you know have more than one opportunity franchise or multiple locations and you know that i kind of didn't see myself doing that it's a great opportunity uh but as i was doing it i was learning so many different things uh just running the store and going you know meeting vendors and you know when you just connect the dots you're like wait i could kind of have my own product in here you know uh so 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 this was not my obviously my first idea you know i had an ice bag company right uh, which mm-hmm. solved the logistics issue, but I'll tell you about that later. <laughs> and what, what, so like when they get iced, they, instead of carrying the bag out, they, no, no, they no, took no, no. it? Rob, I'll take this out. So currently uh, we get uh, ice delivery and it's, you have to pay cash. So the retailer has to check, uh, come out, check it. And when they, when they're loaded up, uh, they'll pay them out. Also, when we run out, we have to call them. So what I did was, you know what, we're going to come and just deliver you the ice. You're only charged for it when a customer buys it at the register. And we have in- electronic inventory levels, so you don't need to call us. We'll fill it up before it even needs to be empty. The biggest, my biggest problem was my biggest compa- competitor was uh, Arctic Glacier, and they own the whole U.S., if not all, everything. Uh, so, yeah. but anyways, I mean, I, I provided. Yeah, and so ultimately, the value proposition to the store wasn't enough because they don't mind. Like, hey, for the prices that they're giving us, it's easy yeah. for us to just pay cash. It's ice. It's you know, twenty five cents a bag. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, like. It, 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 but, but look, hey, this is how you play the, the game. The franchisees loved it. I had it in you know uh, almost two hundred stores, and hey, and I exited. I sold off the route, and you know, for next three years after I finished, I still collected. A percentage of each bag sold. <laughs> yeah, look, I like that, man. I like, and this is how the games play. You know, yeah. you you keep you keep evolving the type of businesses that you create as you learn more and more. You know, and and, and you slowly evolve into those that are more unique value propositions that have better margins that have, uh, you know, better purchase behaviors have built in consumer. Exactly. Like, Look, ice, ice bags. I needed an ice truck, right? It was heavy, uh, labor involved. I needed to be in a freezer. <laughs> so uh, oh, beef jerky, oh. shell stable, light. I can use distributors. <laughs> Margin. It just, it, it just, and look, is it, is it like, how long, what's your, what's your, like, how long do you have shelf stability for? Like three for, months? For, oh, for jerky, it's a year. It's a year. Yeah. See, like, yeah, yeah. and, and 
and look, even even in playing the game and shelf stability, when we're you're in the bar game, right? Mm-hmm. It's like it's the quality of the taste of that bar degenerates month over month, right? Like so, it, it's like how you how when you build and manage that inventory, right? Shelf stability is like one of those things that like you know you only go through the pain of when you have a product that that does not have shelf stability and and or god forbid where you're moving it in and out right it's a small product that has a ton of different um has a a a bunch of small units like a ready to drink or whatever it is like a smoothie type product and then but man you get into the freezer game you get into the freezer game where you, now you got to have a warehouse with with freezers. Then you got to have trucks with freezers. It's just like what? No, no, right. Look, like, yeah. going back to it now, I could redo this that whole thing and execute it amazingly. <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. But uh, you know, it, but it's gonna lead into one of my questions. But yeah, go but ahead. I mean, Tell me, give me, give me that question. I'm I'm curious. Oh, you know what? Okay, so just on this topic. So as you can see, you know, to be honest, before I should discourage myself to. Cause I should, you know, I just think of great ideas wherever they come and, you know, just jot them down, whatever it is. But now I kind of, you know, I encourage myself to at least think of an idea of a day, uh, you know, just, and I'll just write it down. But the thing is um, to make a successful company, you need to be focused. Um, how do you, how do you approach stumbling upon a winning idea that makes too much sense not to start? Well, I mean, look, I'm, I, I'm, it's the reason why I created a venture creation studio, right? Because I didn't like, you know what I mean? Like I just love doing them. Right. And so it's like, and so now, you know, you begin to so to do so many different ones, even how I look at opportunity becomes so refined and so intuitive and so deep because I've, I've experienced so many different types. So even my ability to evaluate uh, opportunities and entrepreneurs is becoming incredibly intuitive, right? And in, in a conversation with an entrepreneur for 10 minutes, I can understand, are they, are they a sales mind, a marketing mind, an operation mind? Are they a product mind, a brand mind? Like, like, do they understand finance? Like, do they see business multidimensionally? Like, and then the idea I can begin to just see, like, is like, what is the unique value proposition? Is it a marketing one? Is, is it IP? Is it the product? Is it taste? Is it, is it like an unfair advantage with a retailer and a celebrity, right? There's all these different things that that triangulate to make an opportunity there. But I built that because I designed how I wanted to live. I knew that I could not, I had started all these businesses. And when I was like, like lost, I'm like, what should I do? I should focus on street league because this is your baby. And you built this and like, you want to build this, like you should focus on this. And then I'm like, start clearing out other business ideas. And then I would get sad Cause I'm like, man, I don't want to just do street league, right? Like it's, it's really understanding who you are. And then my life really changed when I decided to design the life that I wanted to live. And what did I want out of the machine? What did I want out of business? What did I, how did I want to spend my time? What did I want to grow into? What do I want to master? What does my life look like 15 years from now, 20 years from now? And when I started with that first, then it gave me clarity on what opportunities fit into the life that I wanted. Right. And, And so if, 
you're in a beef jerky company and you can't get it off the ground and you can't and it's it's become more problematic and all these things and then you see the same way you saw you know you saw like the beef jerky solving what the ice problem was like if you saw another opportunity that has a broader market that doesn't pin you to the muslim community and and like oh this doesn't exist and god you know, it has crazy yeah. margins and much yeah. more co- consumption base and all these things like, and then it's like tied to like, Hey, here's my goals. Like I'd like to build a company and sell it and make $20 million. Or I'd like to get a company that's, you know, kicking off 500 grand a year that I have and then grow it over time and be part of my identity. It's like, you have to decide what you want out of business and then it's okay to pivot into the right idea if it's going to solve that, you know? And then if it's okay. like, Hey, I want to build a ton of businesses. I want to, I want a venture studio like old Robert, <laughs> like then you, you, you start to put systems in it. Then, you know, like, Hey, I got to get Supreme automated and optimized to where somebody runs it completely to where I don't have to be there and the systems are in place. And now then I can move on to the next one. I want to do five of those and each of those be profitable because I want to live here and do this and spend this much time with my family. Like, like right. really trying to get all of that organized makes deciding on those decisions much easier, you know. I would look, it was a pleasure to connect with you, man. I'll, I'll ask uh, old Nikki Diamonds and Chance about you. Uh, <laughs> see how they feel about the jerky. But send that jerky out to me, man. I, I would really love to taste it and, and, and keep me posted on how you evolve, man. It's, it was a pleasure to connect with you, man. There you go. A group of deserving, aspiring doer dyers. Just, you know, can't help again. Uh, but be so grateful uh, to be able to, you know, to get pitch videos from other entrepreneurs and ultimately be able to share ideas and energy together. Uh, it's a lot of fun to do. It always is. Okay, look, um, if you are watching this on YouTube backslash Deer Deck Machine, make sure you subscribe. If you are listening to this on your favorite podcast, make sure you follow. And we are always looking for any and everyone that wants to join the Deerdick machine in the process that is the machine method by becoming a machinist. Go to DeerdickMachine.com, sign up, be a part of our, our ecosystem, our feedback loop, you know, have a chance to win product, test product, and really be a part of uh, developing and creating the companies we do with us. Um, and look, I said it once, I said it a thousand times. Your ability to look out into the future is going to be why you can create it. Your willingness to know that it's possible is why it's going to happen. And your energy and grit and determination and will to bring it alive is why it's going to be a reality. See it, believe it, do it. Until next time, 